Kreuzer, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach, including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveriad Recovery website, www.adveriad.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Recovery Now Radio, brought to you by The Living Room and at Veriad. Let's recover together. Welcome everybody to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together, brought to you from the living room in Adveriad. Um, today's guest is Yona. Hi Yona, how are you? Hiya Julie, I'm good thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good thanks. Yeah, sun's shining so we're going to have a good day I think. So um, so Yona, you've you know very kindly come in to talk about your addiction to alcohol and your recovery. So, um, But you've chosen some great music so I think we'll start by listening to your first piece of music. So for that, you've chosen um, ACDC, Whole Lot of Rosie. Why, why that particular track? Uh, ACDC are a fantastic band and they were one of the first bands that I got into um, as a youngster. Uh, the Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, ACDC scene and they were the very one of the very first bands that I saw live in the Monsters of Rock Festival in Donington in the early 1980s. And it's, it's just great memories for me back then. Brilliant. Well, let's give that a listen. You can say she got it Ain't no fear to start it Ain't no scare 
Well, that was a whole lot of Rosie by ACDC. Wow, Yana, that woke everybody up, I think. <laughs> it woke me up as well. <laughs> a bit of going on there for 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll start off. If you'd like to tell us a little bit about your early childhood and growing up in Cardiff and a bit about your family. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it's nothing sensational. I, I came from a very um, ordinary working class loving family. Um, my father was a docker. My mum was a secretary. Um, and I had two brothers. I have two brothers. And yeah, we had a very kind of normalish upbringing but I would say that um, my family and, and all the social friends around them were, were fairly heavy drinkers you know and and they used to enjoy life and they used to enjoy partying and that was my sort of memory growing up with you know people drinking as entertainment and I thought that that was the norm thing to do yeah, but it was it, it was I, I almost feel embarrassed sometimes because it was nothing sort of um, sensational that made me become a problem drinker, if you like. You know, it just it just happened to me. But I would say that, you know, that that was my benchmark for normality. And it's not until I got a little bit older and my social life kind of expanded a little bit more that I I realized that you know that world was very small there was a big wider world out there that filled with people that didn't sort of rely on alcohol to have a great time and what yeah. about sort of school life and you know you were saying perhaps in your teenage years did you start experimenting with alcohol yeah yeah um school life yeah it it, it was up and down my school life I, I went to a, an all-girls catholic school until I was 11 and um was was taught by nuns and uh it, it was a private school and I I never really felt as if I fitted in there because we came from a very working class background you know so I did always feel a little bit a little bit less than and it wasn't anybody's fault it was an internal thing that I felt that I never shared so from quite a young age I, I learned to wear masks that sort of hid my uncomfortable feelings when I was around people that I didn't feel altogether at ease with you know that I felt were on on maybe a different social level to me so I I learned from quite an an early age to to wear those masks and that's that's how it carried on you know I I I left school at 15 I was never an academic child I I I was told that you know school was just as was there for my social life if you like (laughs) <laughs> and, and and they weren't wrong really um so I left school at, at 15 and I started work on my 16th birthday it's like I said you know I come from a working class family and um yeah university didn't even come into the equation however not to work was also not in the equation so I started work on my 16th birthday and I and I worked until I retired, you know, uh, even having two children and um, I, I married uh, and, and divorced a number of times. And I, w- I worked right the way through it, mm. really. Well, well, we'll stop there, Yana, and, and just play your next piece of music. But I, I think what you say there about, you know, those early, early years, how that that feeling is still with you, you know, that maybe that I'm not good enough kind of that belief it, that we put on ourselves really isn't it yeah it's something that I do struggle with and I try and and I do try to work on it's a lot Mm. better now you know since since I came into recovery and I started to discover Mm. more about how I functioned how my brain worked um so for me recovery was more than just uh putting down the drink I discovered a a lot more when I finally uh came into recovery yeah Great. Well, let's listen to your next piece of music. So you've chosen um, a track by Tra- Tracy Chapman, um, Smoke and Ashes. What does this particular record mean to you? Yeah, well, I, I love Tracy Chapman. I think she's she's a, a beautiful songwriter and, and, and I love acoustic guitar um, and I would love to see her live. But yeah, she, she just brings back um, lovely, lovely memories for me. Uh, but also I've, I've drank on quite a bit of Tracy as well in the past, so. Okay. <laughs> I 
was the lovely mellow voice of Tracy Chapman there, Smoke and Ashes. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together, brought to you by Adveriad and the Living Rooms. So, Yona, we're talking about your time in school, being in a Catholic school, and that sort of feeling of not quite fitting in there. I just wondered, just going back a little bit to, to where you were before, just what, what was your first experience of, of drinking alcohol? What, what happened? Oh, gosh, I, I, I started to drink at around 14. And it, it certainly wasn't problem drinking in terms of everyday drinking from the moment I picked up. Um, it was a slow, progressive experience for me. But what I, what I did find happened as soon as I picked up that drink, I drank to blackout. I, I, I couldn't put, put it down once I'd started. Once I'd had enough and, and, and my drink had finished, I could abstain. But once I started drinking, once I picked up that first drink, I couldn't stop. And I did used to drink to black out. And I think that's what separated me from my peer group. And it became my sort of my little secret that I, 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 I didn't tell anybody that I had no clue. Um, about what had happened the evening before or uh, whatever you know um, that that was my little secret Um, and I I I didn't know that other people didn't drink like that Um, I thought that that was was normal you know so yeah it even though I didn't drink as a problem initially the way I drank was a problem from the Mm. get-go I know that now I drank differently to other people from the very start, even in my younger, younger days. Mm, it's interesting. We've heard, you know, other people that have been interest, uh, interviewed saying exactly the, the same thing. You know, they, they recognised there was a difference in them to 
other people drinking yeah yeah uh, absolutely so so you left school um and like you say got a job so we was drinking creeping in more than when you started work did you find or um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it insidiously crept in over decades, really. It was a very slow, progressive disease. But right the way through my, my work life, um, I worked in financial institutions, two large banks, but in the contract hire and leasing side of things. So I was in the motor industry, if you like. And it was colourful and it was filled with sort of, you know, people that drank kind of like me heavy drinkers it was a a colorful career and I didn't really stand out because other people were drinking heavily around me as well but it's 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 like I said I I didn't tell anybody about this this problem that I had with with I couldn't just have one or two and and in you know have a have a nice conversation have a nice evening I drank to blackout practically every time I, I drank but but this did go unnoticed for many many years because we were in our teens 20s and then early 30s but then as people sort of got married and had children and I got married and had children kind of settled down and, and the party and became less my drinking increased and again it was my secret. And what I didn't realize then was that it was an actual obsession. I thought about drink from the moment I woke up in the morning until I went to bed at night. And that was whether I drank alcohol or not. I was thinking about it. Another secret that I kept. So I could go in those days from not drinking Monday to Friday. I used to have a January off. I used to laugh, give my my liver an annual break every January. And I was able to do that, but I found, and, and I also did well in work as well. Uh, I worked very hard. I took qualifications within my working environment. So, you know, at that point, it, it, it wasn't doing me any harm. However, you know, my home life was something else because whereas, you know, for me, I wish I had been rushing home after a day in work to spend time helping my children with homework and, and catching up with their days. I was rushing home to get a bottle of wine out of the fridge yeah. and, and start drinking. Yeah. And even though my children say to me today, Mum, you know, you were fine. You know, I know that I could have been a better parent because I wasn't present I wasn't as present as I could be in their lives. And that today is still a regret of mine, even though I really do try to sort of make amends these days to them by not picking up a drink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Shana. Well, we'll listen to you another piece of your music now. Um, Today, you've chosen Cat Stevens, Tuesday's Deal. Oh, Tuesday's Dead. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> Tuesday's dead. Sorry. So why why that particular? Well, I oh. I love a bit of Cat Cat Stevens. I I think he's I think he's a fantastic artist, and um, I was going to see him last year in the in the Cambridge Folk Festival, but due to COVID, that got cancelled. But um, yeah, this particular song is really sort of upbeat and happy, um, and he's a great songwriter. Brilliant. Like him, just like you, I can't tell you what to do. Like everybody else, I'm searching through what I've heard. Whoa, where do you go when you don't want no one to know? Who told tomorrow Tuesday's a day? You show me where you've been Show me what I haven't seen To ease my mind Cause I will learn to understand If I have a helping hand I wouldn't make another demand All my life Whoa, where do you go When you don't want no one to know Ooh, don't tomorrow Tuesday's a day
What's my name? All in all, it's all the same. Everybody plays a different game. So that was Tuesday's Dead by Cat Stevens. Lovely, lovely song there. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's Recover Together, brought to you from the living room in Adveriad. So, Yana, we're just talking there, kind of that feeling of, although you weren't drinking every day, that that need of having alcohol in your life, whether it was thinking about it or actually taking part in active addiction was, was very present. So when do you think you noticed that, the addiction was having an effect on your life that alcohol was affecting things for mm. you mm. i i knew that alcohol was not my friend i'd i'd had this toxic relationship with alcohol for for years now and and due to my blackouts i was starting to get frightened about going out you know because i'd i'd sort of forget what had happened the night before and and that feeling of dread when I'd wake up in the morning and and I I wouldn't know what had happened the night before but I knew something not pleasant had happened that my behavior hadn't been great um but I didn't kind of know what uh what had happened and I would gingerly sort of start ringing around to to the group of people I would have been out with the night before to try and piece together that the previous night's events and and all the time while sort of making uh, jokes and laughing about what a great night it was to the people that I was talking to kind of almost manipulating them into telling me more and more and and by the end of the number of phone calls I'd made I, I'd find out that I had behaved badly to somebody I'd offended somebody that night and uh you know I'd have to apologize or I'd lose a friend so I kind of knew I knew for for many years that 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 I had this problem with alcohol and I did about 25 years ago approach uh the Cardiff Alcohol and Drugs Unit to say that I, I I had this problem and I didn't know what it was and I had hypnotherapy and I had some counseling but nobody in that unit uh, mentioned permanent abstinence and nobody in that unit mentioned alcoholism and I ended up taking antabuse for a number of months afterwards which 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 worked for a while but the obsession got the better of me and my head told me that it, it was okay I could handle it you know so uh, you know the antabuse stopped and the drinking started slowly, but it doesn't take long for the, the problem drinking to return. And, you know, I went on until I was I was 47 uh, before I, I sort of actually made a stand and, and did something permanently about, about this problem with alcohol that I had. Mm. So to, just to go back a little bit, did, did you feel that it it was almost just like, a sticking plaster that they were 
giving you at the time when you when you absolutely. went absolutely yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I didn't know that there were actual other routes to recovery at that stage. And, and I wish I had. I, I, I wish I'd have, I, I'd have had that knowledge. I wish they'd have shared with me the other routes to recovery that there were. But no, they didn't. But it, it certainly made me even more aware that I had a problem. But it, it drove my secret further down. And, and made me feel more ashamed, if you like. So, you know, I, I didn't talk to anybody about it. And what, you know, about, people, what about your life in general then? How, how, was, how was that going? Yeah, my, my, my life, my work life, as I said, it, it went on for a number of years and I, and I was, you know, okay. I, I did all right. But as I know now, it, it, it was a, a progressive disease and my behaviour got worse and my what I would have called unacceptable behavior, drinking in the middle of the week or before a big meeting or whatever, um, I call it the unacceptable became acceptable, you know, almost insanity became acceptable to me. And that's what happened to me. The drinking became more regular and um, my relationships were um, very problematic. You know, I, I, I divorced three times and uh, back then I, I, I blamed the you know, I, I, I blame the people that I was married to. But again, on reflection now, my goodness, I, I didn't have anything in common with these people apart from the fact that they were very heavy drinkers mm. like me. Mm. Uh, that was the common denominator. And uh, so, you know, on hindsight, it was never really going to work out. Mm. But okay. um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll stop there, Yana, just for another track. Um, so your next track is um, a Joni Mitchell track and it's Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. So what made you choose this one? Well, it's Joni Mitchell. Um, <laughs> I, I got into Joni Mitchell, my, 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 my sort of late 30s. And again, I love that acoustic guitar. I love her songwriting and her voice is, is beautiful. Yeah. And, and this is a particularly happy song that, that I listen to and it kind of lifts my, my soul. Lovely. My fingernails are filthy I've got beach tar on my feet And I miss my clean white linen And my fancy French clothes Oh, Carrie, get out your cage Carrie, get out your cage And put on some silk I'll put on some silk Oh, you're a mean old daddy But I like you Come on down to the Mermaid Cafe And I will buy you a bottle of wine And we'll laugh our empty glasses down let's have a round for these freaks and these soldiers a round for these friends of mine let's have another round for the bright red devil who keeps me in this tourist town come on carrie get out your carrie Oh 
So that was Carrie by the lovely Joni Mitchell there. Beautiful song. So you're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Um, Let's Recover Together, brought to you by Adveriad in the Living Rooms. Jonas, so you're starting to look for some support with with your alcohol addiction. Did, did you actually think that you were an alcoholic at that stage or no I I didn't have a clue what an alcoholic was Mm. um I I had um an image in my head about poor destitute men in gray max with uh, vodka bottles in brown paper bags mm. um, I, I didn't know what an alcoholic was or what it meant um, I knew nothing I just knew that um, this 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 alcohol was was not good for me that it wasn't my friend but I, I couldn't say goodbye to it either um, it was the longest lasting relationship that I I think I've I've ever had and the most harmful really mm. but I I didn't know I didn't know that there were other people like me out there mm. and, basically and was, yeah and, and was there a like a crisis that that actually made you think I've I've got to get myself ready and do something about this yeah well uh, my life began to be full of crises but I I, I blame other people, other situations, everything, rather than look at myself. I I was full of self-pity. But basically, as I said, uh, the unacceptable was starting to become acceptable. and And I started to miss work. And by this stage, I was living on my own. Uh, My children had grown and left home and I got divorced for the last time and I was living on my own in a a flat and I was starting to miss Mondays and, and Fridays and it was awful because I would get up and and put the kettle on. Uh, to get ready for work, to make a cup of tea, to get ready for work. And, and I'd, I'd leave uh, the fridge with a bottle of wine, not the milk for the tea. Mm. And I would end up taking it back to bed. And, and it was when I, I realised that alcohol was ruling me. Um, it, 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 I had lost all control and I was frightened. I was really frightened. And as I said, once I picked up the first drink, I, I couldn't put it down. And these binges started to uh, get longer from, from one night to two nights to three. And I would go on day, on binges that would last for days. And uh, you know, I could see everything hurtling towards me I knew I if I continued I would lose my home I would lose uh because I would have lost my job and I had still had a mortgage so without a job I wouldn't pay my mortgage I would lose my home I'd already lost a, a number of friends due to behavior issues uh, but I blamed them didn't blame me and I was desperate I was I was uh, I, I didn't particularly want to live but I didn't want to die I I was lost and somebody mentioned uh one particular route to recovery and I, I jumped at the chance and I went down that road and I didn't look back and that was in 2010 and basically I I sort of um did what was suggested and uh listened to people that sort of um, drank exactly like me. And um, I didn't realize that there were so many people out there like me and it gave me hope. And when I first sort of, when I first discovered this particular route to recovery, uh, the shock, the shock when I saw the joy and laughter with these people that had found what I was desperately looking for something left me and it, and it was like the monkey on my back and I didn't it was loneliness and I had been lonely for so many years and hidden it behind so many different people pleasing masks and clown masks and I I didn't realize that yeah this thing this burden that I'd been carrying uh was was loneliness um and and it, it lifted and yeah, my road to recovery kind of started then in 2010. Mm. And um, it was tough. It was really tough because unfortunately, uh, the, the craving for alcohol didn't leave me when I, I, I found this particular route. I, I, I craved alcohol for a good eight months and, and uh, I whined. I whined a lot. <laughs> I moaned a lot. And I was told, it's OK, it, it, it'll go. It'll go. You keep doing what you're doing. 
and it will go. And I, I did what was suggested. I did what they told me to do. And, and eventually I realized that I'd spent 24 hours without the thought of alcohol entering my head. And that was nothing short of a miracle, you know, and I, I got to know these people in, in recovery and they became very close and dear friends to me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, little bit by little bit, yeah. I got better and better. And yeah, it that, was that, just that, that connection with with other people again, isn't it? And, you know, other people in recovery. So, so vital. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. that it was that connection which I had never had with people that that ha- had the same problem as me. Um, it was just wonderful. Yeah, you okay. know, it changed my life. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we're going to listen to your next track now, Yana. Um, Bonnie on the Isle of St. Helena by Uncle Earl. And I, I've never heard this one. So I'm very intrigued. So why did you choose this track? Oh, I, I love a little bit of um, bluegrass folk. I, 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 I've sort of um, developed a, a love for the fiddle and, and, and um, the, the, the double bass and the banjo. And um, this is a particular beautiful love song um, from, from Uncle Earl, who, who um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a lovely sort of upbeat band I, I like to, to listen to. Okay, let's give it a listen. He may sit there and dwell on the glories he's seen all alone. He remains on the Isle of Saint Helena. No more in Saint Cloud, he'll be seen in such splendor.
that was Bonnie on the Isle of St Helena by Uncle Earl. That was lovely, lovely story within that song. It was, it was really beautiful. Yeah. So, so you're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Uh, Let's recover together. Brought to you by the Living Room and Adveriad. Today's guest is Yona. So, Yona, you've kind of started to find recovery. What began to change for you now? My goodness. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that started to change when I found recovery was, well, there were so many things, but the, but the guilt, remorse and shame that I carried around with me started to lift. And I did a 12 a, a step program, which enabled me to really have a good critical look at myself and discuss it with, with other people, sort of um, trusted people within the same recovery group and I I learned not to sort of blame myself to understand that it was an illness that that I had and and I shouldn't be ashamed and that I should be grateful that I found you know what I call it that it was the gift of desperation you know my very worst moment became my best moment in life and um so I, I I also came into recovery sort of filled with self-pity if you had my problems you drink as well if 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 if, if things things had happened to to you like it happened to me you drink as well and and I didn't realize how much of my life was governed by self-pity and and that started to lift as well you see and when that happens you can really start to look at the world clearly and try to help other people that are kind of suffering the same way that I suffered and when that happened, when other people came into, into the same recovery route as I did and, and I sort of went for coffee and chatted, my goodness, it, 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 it lifted me up further. I, it helped me. And, and it, it was then that I started to learn and, and I was told, you know, to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. You know, you've got to help other people. And what a clever little trick that was because when, you, when you're helping other people, you're not thinking of yourself and your own problems become smaller. And, and I think that has got to be the single most beneficial thing that has ever happened to me is to lose that self-pity and, and to be able to listen and help others that, that have the same sort of um, illness as I had, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll stop there, you know, um, play another track now. So we've got A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall by Laura... Marling. Marling. Laura Marling. Okay, so why did you choose this track? Well, this is a beautiful uh, track. It was written by Bob uh, Dylan, and I love Bob Dylan's version of it. But this, this lady's voice, and, and, and it, it was the... the um, it was one of the tracks from Peaky Blinders, which I absolutely oh. loved. Yeah. And I and I heard this and I thought, I love it. I absolutely love it. I may actually even prefer it to the Dylan version. So yeah, this is why I chose. I know, <laughs> I know, sacrilege, but yeah, she does have a particularly beautiful voice, this lady. Great. Stop. 
was a hard rain's gonna fall by laura marling great song there yana so you've got recovery in your life now properly you're doing a 12-step program and i i know from knowing you that you are a very giving person so that you know thank you for all the support you've given me as well so yeah so we're we're good friends yeah but um so you were saying that it has been a tough road for you it's it's no yes it ha- it hasn't been an easy road i don't think any recovery is completely easy because life gets in the way and and no matter how well you're feeling life has a habit of throwing those curveballs at you you know and um yeah, I guess that track, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, that's exactly what happened to me when I stopped putting my recovery first. And I, I got into a bit of a, a toxic relationship with somebody uh, that was was not good for me at all. And um, I had some ill health and I, I retired from work and um, I bought a motorhome. And um, this relationship came to a, a sticky end and I was in a lot of emotional pain. And I, I began living full time in my motorhome in order to travel to warmer climates because due to health issues, I get a lot of pain in, in, in the bad British weather. And I kind of distanced at that point from recovery and from people in recovery. I, I started to, to stop putting the effort in, if you like. And I took off on a, on a journey around Spain and um, I reached a point, a really bad point. And rather than picking up a phone, I, I picked up a drink. And that was after seven and a half years of, of recovery. And um, it, was, it was horrible and messy. And I drank my way around Seville and Granada and I limped back to Alicante uh, where I, I had some, a good recovery group and they were very shocked, you know, that this happened to me. But uh, thank goodness I managed. It took me about six months to get properly back into the lifeboat of recovery. Um, and it frightened me. It frightened me to death because the drinking, even after that long period of time, became very, very quickly just as bad as the last drink that I took. You know, it took no time at all uh, to, to become just as, as bad. And it frightened me, it frightened me a lot. So on July the, the, the 14th, 2018, I put down uh, the drink again. And I'm, I'm now nearly three years sober, obviously. I, 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 I started recovery, my recovery journey all over again. And I found that I had not just problems with alcohol, but with codependency as well. And, and even though I'd done quite a lot of work on myself previously, I didn't realize that I, I was actually a codependent as well. And that was a revelation to me. And I started to use the, the living room. I, I'd been to the living room previously um which helped enormously with with um my uh alcoholic recovery but i started to use it for codependency as well and really from then on my recovery has taken off and has got a much deeper meaning and you know this lesson was meant to be it was meant to be and i need to share it with others that you know if you take your recovery for granted it 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 is very fragile you know, it, it'll go. And so, yeah, that my biggest message was to is, is to never sit on your laurels in recovery. 
yeah always always look to improve and develop it you know yeah. and like so, you say yeah. such such an important message isn't it you know put recovery first because things fall apart if you don't so and they absolutely do yeah but it sounded like you did learn a lot from your relapse absolutely yeah it it it, it, it was horrific the fear the fear was mm. uh, oh it, it was horrific um because i didn't want to drink mm. And, and drink overtook me again. It, 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 it took power over me again. And um, I had to take my recovery. My sponsor at the time, she said, you, you, you know, you, you can't just walk right back into recovery. You're going to have to take it right back to the beginning again. Mm. And that's what I did. And, and I, I redid the 12-step program all over again mm. with, with a different attitude. Uh, not that there was anything in particular wrong with my first attitude, but this was you know, with seven and a half years growth, I've learned that that wasn't a waste of time, mm. um, that I, 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 I am grateful for it, mm. but, but learn from it. And, and that's what I hope to, that I am doing now and will continue to do yeah. moving forward, you know. Yeah. And probably at a deeper level. Absolutely mm. deeper level. Yes. I never want to be that frightened again. No, no. You know. All right. Well, we're, we're sort of in your penultimate track now so um we'll we'll play another track um so you've chosen on the road again by Candit Candit so, <laughs> so tell us why that one oh i love this band i saw them recently in the in the tram tram shed uh, well it's a couple of years ago now nothing is recent with anything live but um this on the road again just is what I play when I'm driving my motorhome along the roads of Spain and, and France. And it's just such a great feeling to be on the road again and sober. It's just oh. fabulous for me. Oh, I've got a great vision of you in that van, yeah. Fiona, driving along. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah.
after that was On the Road Again by Canned Heat. Um, you're listening to Recovery Now Radio and um, brought to you by The Living Room and Adveriad. Let's recover together. And today we've been talking to Yona. Yona, we're nearly at the end of the show now, which is a, a shame. I um, really enjoyed talking to you and, and hearing you share your story. Um, so, so life, you're living life now. I am. I am. I'm living life to the to the best that I can at the moment, same as everybody else, frustrated with this COVID business, but we're coming to the end now, you know, it, it's, it's passing. So hopefully mm. um, I'll be able to get back on my travels again and uh, yeah, head to warmer pastures for, for this winter, really. You're very adventurous, I think. No, it's it's just it's 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 a necessity, really. <laughs> the, the the climate makes such a difference to my um yeah. to my health uh, conditions. So uh, yeah, that's where I head. I mean, if the weather was better, I'd never leave Wales, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And and we were having a chat yesterday, weren't we? And uh, I like what you said about you know having the camper van. You know, it it makes you. You, you can't hoard things you know you can't keep things and you have to get rid of stuff all the time yeah and, and you know part of recovery really is about the decluttering isn't it you know absolutely I've got a clean house I've got a clean house here in in, in the motorhome living in such a small space but it, it's great because I, I clean house on a regular basis these days and and for me that's a vital part of my recovery because mm. You know, just because I'm in, in, in recovery doesn't mean that my behavior is perfect, not by any stretch, but by uh, today's standards, it's, it's a hell of a lot better because I'm able to look at myself and recognize when I, I don't behave in, in, in the best way that I could have. And I'm able to sort of correct it now without any sort of self-pity or, or needing to take a, a drink to drown my sorrows, you know, or... I don't actually need anybody else to make me happy. I found that I've found that through the through the living room, really, and through self-discovery. I'm I'm content with just mm. the way uh, the status quo is today. Whereas previously, I was always looking for more. I wanted more of whatever I liked. Well, that's not the case today. Mm. You know, yeah. Have serenity in your life. Absolutely, mm. that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so just one sort of final bit to answer now. What would Yona now say to the younger Yona, little Yona? I would say, don't beat yourself up so badly. You're only human, and as a human, we're all flawed. What you had was a was a a horrible illness that you managed to get over with the help of others. So I would say to the younger Yona, don't be scared to reach out. You know, somebody will listen. So, yeah, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Mm, That's so true. Well, thanks, Yana. It was, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed chatting with you. And uh, it's been a good show. I love the music as well. I I love the fact we started off with (laughs) ACDC. Well, everybody up. <laughs> Greg, Greg was hang, head banging along there as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And okay. ending with the kinks. What could uh, be better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One final track. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we'll we'll kind of listen to the kinks in a moment, but I've just got to say to you, thank you. So thanks so much to Yona for coming in. It's It's been great hearing your story. Um, thanks to Greg for putting it all together and and working so hard for us and of course thank you so much to the listeners you know we really value you coming along and, and hearing us talk and you know hope you get a lot lot from listening to these stories I know I, I certainly do and please please keep listening and liking us and and putting your posts on Facebook and spread the word because because that's what these station this you know program is all about mm-hmm. is, is spreading the word to to other people who need some support so um yeah yeah that's absolutely. the message thanks and, for asking me Julie that that's that's a pleasure and uh, and thank you so much to a very ad and the living rooms for allowing us to put this show out it's uh, it means a lot to everybody so so, uh, so, yeah, so you've been listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's Recover Together, brought to you by The Living Room and Adveriad. And our final track from Yana was Eight Man by The Kinks. So why did you choose this one? Well, I, I love The Kinks. The Kinks were, again, one of the first bands I saw live at the Reading Rock Festival, early 80s. And um, 
they never fail to disappoint. <laughs> Lots of thumbs up there from Greg. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Bye-bye. Greg. Bye. Multiplying and they're walking around like flies, man. So I'm no better than the animals sitting in their cages in the zoo, man. Cause compared to the flowers and the birds and the trees, I am an ape, man. I think I'm so educated and I'm so civilized, cause I'm a strict vegetarian. But with the overpopulation and inflation and starvation and the crazy politicians. Traffic rumble. But give me half a chance and I'll be.